It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Breakthroughs in aging science are happening every day, and as a result, we're learning more about our ability to live longer, younger, and healthier. Today's guest, Dr. Michael Greger, studied the medical research and realized that diet could combat the effects of aging. According to Dr. Greger, we don't need big pharma to keep us feeling young. We already have the tools. He joins us today to discuss how to help avoid the diseases most commonly encountered as we age. Dr. Greger is a physician, best-selling author, an internationally recognized speaker on nutrition. He's a founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Greger. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to hopefully help inspire some of your listeners to live longer, better lives. So, Doctor, we are aging whether we like it or not. What got you interested in studying the way people age? It was really just to kind of cut through the noise and nonsense. You know, it reminded me of my last book on uh, weight loss. And both dieting and anti-aging are multi-billion dollar industries and with so much money in the mix. You know, anyone seeking even kind of basic practical advice in either arena, living lighter or longer, is, you know, just faced with an inscrutable barrage of pills and potions. I mean, even as a physician with the luxury of, you know, wading neck deep through the medical journals, it's been a challenge to tease out the facts from force. And look, if it took me three years to sift through all the signs, I'm afraid the casual observer would just have no chance. But the good news is that we have... Uh, tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a healthy enough diet and lifestyle. Well, and I think that's something that most of us forget. We we feel powerless because we either think it's genetic or there's nothing that we can do about it. And, and I think people just want a quick fix. They don't want to do the work. So they think a pill is the answer. And that's why I love your work, because you really do give us back our power through education. Yeah, based on studies of identical twins, only about 25% of the difference in lifespan between people is determined by genetics. So, you know, for what to do over the majority of which we have some control, uh, you know, we can look to the blue zones, you know, areas of exceptional longevity around the world where, you know, in addition to lifestyle factors such as movement, stress reduction, social connection, they all center their diets around whole plant foods. So, minimizing uh, processed foods, meat, dairy, sugar, egg, salt, while maximizing fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, like beans, slippies, chickpeas, lentils, uh, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices. Basically, uh, real food that grows out of the ground, those are our healthiest choices. Is diet the biggest contributor to age-related diseases? Absolutely. According to the Global Burden of Disease Study, which is the largest systemic analysis of risk factors in history, the number one cause of death in these United States is the American diet, Mm -hmm. bumping tobacco to number two, 
cigarettes now only kill about a half million Americans every year, whereas our diet kills many more. And they determined the five worst things about our diet in terms of diminished life expectancy is, number one, not eating enough legumes like beans. Number two, not eating enough whole grains. Then not eating enough nuts. So three out of the five are things we're not getting enough of. And then number four, we're eating too much meat. Number five, drinking too much soda. So it doesn't matter what you eat on your birthday, holiday, special occasions. But on a day-to-day basis, we you know, really should try to center our diet around natural foods from fields, not factories, these unprocessed plant foods. Why is inflammation so dangerous to our health? Well, you know, a single blood test for inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein can predict physical and cognitive performance as well as a remaining lifespan in older individuals. You know, when you get like a splinter in your finger, you know, and it gets all, you know, red, warm, painful, swollen, that's inflammation. It's our body's natural reaction to tissue damage or irritation, but its purpose is to trigger a healing process, not a disease process. Uh, the, the, the reaction to a splinter is what's called acute inflammation, a localized, temporary, direct response to infection or injury focused on resolving the problem. But chronic inflammation, also known as metabolic inflammation, is systemic, persistent, nonspecific, and appears to perpetuate disease. It has this kind of low-grade smoldering quality uh, that we can pick up on blood tests showing abnormally high levels of inflammatory markers like the C-reactive protein, but we have the power to bring it down through diet. Someone like me, my grandparents all lived into their 90s, and I know Wonderful. about epigenetics, and I know that we have a lot to say about our, our genes and, and the way that they're expressed through diet and, and stress reduction and exercise and so forth, lifestyle. But for someone like me who has that longevity, do the genetics play a role in the way I will age? Well, so again, the 25% from the identical twin study, 25% uh, is, is determined by genetics. So you have that quarter down. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, but you still have that 75% um, that is determined by, you know, how we live. So, you know, genes can load the gun, but it's really the environment that pulls the trigger. The environment meaning, you know, what we're exposed to, what we eat, how we live. And, you know, and that's why we have these, you know, migration studies uh, to show that, you know, these vast differences in disease rates around the world, up to 100-fold differences in various cancers, various chronic diseases, it's not due to genetics because when people move from one place to another, they acquire the disease rates of their destination country. So, you know, Japanese men, you know, moving to California, all of a sudden they get a dramatic increase in prostate cancer rates. Um, but they also have a decrease in stomach cancer rates because they're not eating all this salted, preserved uh, fish and, and salty vegetables. And so uh, that shows that it, it's not your genes, but it's how we are expressing ourselves throughout the world. But that's good news because it means we really have control and it's never too late to stop smoking, start eating healthier, start moving. We really do have the power. Was there anything surprising that you learned from the research? I mean, everything. I learned (laughs) just as much as anybody else when I write these books. In fact, some um, entire fields of science were not even discovered until after I graduated from medical school, like microRNAs. I have a whole chapter about that, challenging the central dogma of biology. Never knew anything about it. So many surprises. Uh, surprised about it, I found out exercise and sleep and red wine, resveratrol, NAD supplements, vitamin D, 
fish, protein restriction. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Things that I thought going in, I'd end up recommending that I didn't or vice versa. Um, And so, yeah, it's been a tremendous learning experience for me as well. I'm just so excited to be able to share it. Is there something that you can share with us that you, like you just said, you thought you would recommend but changed your mind and, and why? So, for example, uh, resveratrol supplements, this uh, this red wine compound, um, when actually put to the test in randomized controlled trials, actually um, accelerated the shrinkage of brain tissue, tripling the loss of brain tissue um, over time. And so it's a supplement I would definitely recommend against. Um, uh, on the opposite flip side, um, uh, originally, we thought vitamin D supplementation decreased all-cause mortality, meaning those that randomized to vitamin D versus placebo lived longer lives. But it turns out it just cuts down on cancer rates and does nothing for cardiovascular disease. And since heart disease is our number one killer, taking vitamin D doesn't appear to extend our lifespan overall. But if you're eating healthy enough, that you're not going to get heart disease, meaning you're eating healthy enough to have low blood pressure and low cholesterol, then cancer really is your number one nemesis, in which case taking vitamin D supplements like 2,000 international units a day for those getting inadequate sunshine may indeed extend your life. You had mentioned that as a physician who have been doing this work for a good portion of your life, you had trouble sometimes deciphering the right and the wrong things to do. So imagine all of us, you know, one day you hear eat beans, don't eat beans, do this, don't do that. So, you know, for someone who's trying to get through all of this muck, what would be the takeaway that you want us to know? What should we do? What should we not do? And how will these things have the biggest impact on the way we age? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. And there's just so much confusion. In fact, that really plays into the food industry's hands. They want to kind of muddy up the water such that people will just throw up their hands and eat whatever, you know, stuff is put in front of them. Whereas there's actually a real consensus in the scientific community about the core tenets of healthy eating and living going back decades. In fact, there's an organization called the True Health Initiative at truehealthinitiative.org, which kind of sets itself up to be kind of the IPCC of nutrition, getting hundreds of the top nutrition professionals in the world to agree on a consensus statement as to what is the healthiest diet for human beings. So you can check that out. Spoiler alert, it's eating a diet centered around these whole healthy plant foods, the healthiest of healthy foods we can include into our daily diet. What about other things like food that's genetically modified, things that are outside of our control? How big of an influence do they have on the the way that we age healthily? Well, they're really not out of our control, right? According to the 2002 USDA Organic Standards, anything labeled organic um, should, by law, doesn't have any genetically modified organisms. The concern about GMO foods really has to do with uh, the amount of pesticide residues. Many of these uh, uh, genetic modifications to make um, these particular crops resistant to a particular herbicide, for example. And so they can just spray a lot more. And so it ends up, so soybeans, for example, um, and um, uh, GMO soybeans end up with more of these herbicides. So it's not the genetic construct itself. It's the fact that then it really comes to, well, how bad is the herbicides for you? And um, uh, we just have, so far, we have non-human animal data suggesting harm among laboratory animal models, but we have yet to have human data suggesting harm um, from these particular herbicides that we find more of among uh, GMO foods. Um, For people who want to kind of take a precautionary approach, even though we don't have evidence 
uh, human evidence of harm, you can choose organic to get non-GMO foods. Doctor, we've been talking about food and longevity. What other things should we be paying attention to in our life that are just as important? Oh, well, so even though diet does seem to play the greatest role, exercise is critically important. I talk about sleep, stress, social ties, weight control, chapters on ESOGAM. Um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, talk about how really, for example, exercise, any amount of exercise is better than none, even walking 4,400 steps a day associated with a lower risk of premature death. Um, and, you know, physical activity is not just about improving muscle mass and strength and balance, mobility, preventing uh, falls, but also exercise improves our thinking capacity, enhances mood, treats depression, improves artery function, insulin sensitivity, overall quality of life. Um, and so there's lots of things we can do um, to boost our lifestyle, even if diet does indeed end up being the major contributing factor. You just mentioned our mental function. That's a real concern for most of us as we get older. We're, we're afraid of having a, um, a mental decline. What types of foods can help us to stimulate the brain and also to help us with warding off things like Alzheimer's and dementia? Oh, fantastic question. That is actually the large, preserving your mind, the largest chapter in the book, um, because it is such kind of the most kind of dreaded outcome in older age. And thankfully, modifiable lifestyle factors outweigh any genetic components to Alzheimer's disease, so we really do have the power. Alzheimer's is related to atherosclerotic plaque buildup inside the brain, inside the cerebral artery. So the same dietary changes that can help with cardiovascular health can help with cognitive health. So in other words, what's good for the heart is good for the head. So uh, bringing down blood pressures uh, can help with cognitive decline. Aerobic exercise improves brain function. Um, and, uh, you know, decreasing our exposure to fat, oxidized cholesterol, um, uh, while, um, uh, you know, boosting, you know, uh, whole plant foods, particularly greens, beans, and berries can improve um, uh can move our cognitive function both acutely and are associated with decreased risk of cognitive decline as well as dementia as we grow older. Once we have that plaque buildup in the brain, is there anything we can do to reverse it or is it just that we want to stop it from progressing? We can reverse it. That's what Dr. Dean Ornish showed in his famous lifestyle heart trial published in 1990, that we can open up arteries without drugs, without surgery, just a plant-based diet and lifestyle and those same changes can open up arteries, not just in our heart, but in our brain to help prevent strokes, can open up uh, the vertebral arteries and, and relieve uh, low back pain, um, improve our kidney health, improve our liver. You know, all of our organs need oxygen, nutrients need to get rid of waste products. So no wonder why a heart-healthy diet, there's also a liver-healthy diet and a kidney-healthy diet on through, as well as improving, you know, maintaining our, 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 our sexual function. Um, later in life, it's all about blood flow. Um, and so uh, you can randomize people to healthier diet and see a significant improvement, both men and women, in sexual function, as well as desire, eating healthier diets, as well as exercising and smoking cessation and controlling their weight. For a long time, this wasn't really taught in medical school to medical students. Do you see that changing? Do you think that they're starting to trend toward teaching doctors so that they can teach patients? So, you know, doctors have a severe nutrition deficiency. 
in education. Most doctors just never taught about the impact health and nutrition can have on the course of illness, and so they graduate without this powerful tool in the medical toolbox. Uh, of course, there's also institutional barriers, time constraints, lack of reimbursement. You know, in general, doctors simply aren't paid for counseling people on take, how to take you know better care of themselves. Uh, of course, drug companies also play a role in influencing medical education and practice. You know, you can ask your doctor when the last time they've been taken out to dinner by big broccoli. It's uh, <laughs> probably been a while. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I've heard stories where people who have been diagnosed with cancer or other types of conditions would say to their doctor, is there something I should be eating or I should be changing? And they're told, oh, just do what you're doing. And that really doesn't seem to be the best uh, answer. So I'm hoping that right. they do, start to right. get on track. Right. Do what you're doing that led to the disease in the first place. Right. Right. <laughs> Obviously, you don't want to keep doing what you're doing because you ended up with a disease. And it's one of these lifestyle diseases, right? It reminds me of smoking in the 50s, right? I and mean, we already had decades of science linking smoking with lung cancer, but it was ignored because why? Smoking was normal. Most doctors themselves smoked. Average per capita cigarette consumption was 4,000 cigarettes a year, meaning the average person smoked half pack a day. The American Medical Association was reassuring everyone, smoking in moderation. Oh, that's totally fine, right? So there was this disconnect between being the science and, you know, kind of the public policy. It took more than 25 years, 7,000 studies before the first Surgeon General's report against smoking came out in 1964. And, uh, you know, until we have a similar kind of, till the powers that be wake up and recognize and spread the message, till the system changes, we need to take personal responsibility for our own health, for our family's health. We can't wait till society catches up to the science again because it's a matter of life and death. The book is How Not to Age, The Scientific Approach to Getting Healthier as You Get Older. Doctor, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where can they go? They can go to nutritionfacts.org where all my work is free, no ads, no corporate sponsorships, strictly non-commercial, not selling anything, just put it up as a public service. And for my books, they can go to their local public library um, and know that I don't receive a penny from any of my books. All proceeds I get from all my books are donated directly to charity. I, I just want everyone to enjoy the longest, healthiest life. Dr. Gregor, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? The takeaway is the good news. We have this power over our health, destiny, and longevity. And uh, we and it's never too late to start cleaning up our lifestyle. Um, and uh, look, you know, it's your body, your choice. You want to smoke cigarettes, go bungee jumping, not wear your seatbelt, right? But it's, each, it's, it's up to each of us to make our own decisions as to what to eat, how to live. But we should make these choices consciously, educating ourselves about the predictable consequences of our actions. Dr. Greger, thank you so much for joining us. So happy to help out. Thank you, John. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.